Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. Hallelujah. 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 Come on now, don't stop praising. Don't praise me. We praising the. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, family. Amen. It's such a blessing to be here in God's presence this morning. I appreciate everyone's press this morning and getting here, even though it is cold and it's nasty and sleet everywhere, dirt everywhere, but we still made our way here. That means that you are Holy Ghost filled and sanctified. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's such just an honor to be here uh, before our church family. Amen. Uh, listen, as Pastor Ty mentioned, my name is Josh. I am the pastor of student ministries and adult discipleship. Yeah. All the youth, can I get a Europe? There we go. <laughs> Amen. And as I mentioned, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here this morning if, uh, in front of family. Uh, I actually have my actual family here this morning as well. Amen. I have my wife, LaDoris. Hey, you're sitting to the left of me with her fine self. Amen. She serves alongside with me in student ministries. And also my mother-in-law, Mama Karen, is here as well. Amen. All made their press here. Hallelujah. And if you don't know, my, Christina is actually my sister, biological sister. Amen. She serves as the, community, uh, the communications lead, rather, for the church and uh, also on praise and worship. And it's, it's glad to see that the vocal lessons I provided her are paying off, man. I did good, didn't I? Amen. <laughs> Listen, uh, before we dive into the message this morning, I want to just let you know that, and I have to let you know that I come from a Pentecostal background, okay? So, so I'm used to the congregation uh, saying amen or speaking to the preacher when they say something that ministers to you, amen? So I'm going to need you to talk to me this morning. Is that all right? Amen. Even if I don't say something that you like, you have to say, oh, let God use you. Let God use you. That's, that's, that's what they say in a Pentecostal church when you're not doing too well. When you hear let God use you, that's when you know, look, I, look, I got to turn it up a minute. I got to turn up a bit. <laughs> oh, man, y'all are crazy. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want us to turn your Bibles this morning or if you have your cell phone, swipe your Bibles with me this morning to Mark chapter 8. We're going to read from verses 22 through 26. Amen. Mark is, is in the New Testament between Matthew and Luke. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. When you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say hold on. 
Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. When you got it, say, I got it. All right, let's go. So verse 22, it reads, and they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him. And he asked him, do you see anything? In verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. In verse 25, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. Somebody say again. And he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Verse 26, he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. The title of my message today is Trust the Process. Uh, I feel like preaching already. Amen. Amen. Can we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word declares in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is inspired by you. It's God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and to righteousness, that the man or the woman of God shall be completely furnished, fully equipped to do every good work. So I thank you, Father, today for strengthening, for correcting, for instructing into righteousness, for comforting. Father, I stand behind you this morning. I say you increase and I decrease. And I thank you, Father, that your word will permeate. It will produce the fruit that you desire. And I declare victory to the right of me. I declare victory in the middle. I declare victory to the left of me. Do not weep for the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all excited this morning? Or do you believe that God is going to do a great work among us this morning? Because I believe that as well. Amen. And before we dive a little further into the message, it's important that I lay some theological groundwork uh, because Text without context leads to pretext. Are you with me? All right, let's roll out. Now, Mark is one of the synoptic gospels, one of the three synoptic gospels. Uh, the other two are Matthew and Luke. See, all three are arranged as a synopsis, hence the reason they are collectively referred to as the synoptic gospels. Now, all of the Gospels are not a complete biographical work of the life of Jesus, but provide divine revelation of the person of Jesus. See, although the synoptic accounts contain similar content, each account possesses a distinct theme. For instance, Mark places his theme or his emphasis on the servant nature of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Mark focuses on deeds more than dialogue. 
See, there are less parables in brief conversations because Mark is all about action. Uh, I feel like preaching already. Have to work through my intro. <laughs> now, the style in which Mark used to write his account is that of a drama that contains climatic scenes that are intricately paced. For instance, chapter 1, it starts with the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and Jesus heals many. In chapter 2, Jesus heals a paralytic and then also clashes with the teachers of the law in the Pharisees. How many of you know that when you endeavor to, to fulfill God's call on your life, you will experience opposition? Uh, that's another message for another time. And chapter 3, Jesus ruffles the feathers of the Pharisees because he heals a man on the Sabbath. Don't you just love your Jesus? In chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are traveling to the country of the Gerasenes on a boat. And along the way, they encounter an intense storm. And the disciples are afraid because they think they're about to die. And while they're in utter pandemonium, Jesus with his cool self, he's calm and collected. He wakes up from his nap and he rebukes the storm. See, how many of you know that the storm in your life isn't intended to kill you, but to grow your trust in Jesus? Uh, but what I love about this story here in Mark is that he incorporates a little bit of suspense into his account. When the disciples ask among themselves, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? See, that is a resounding question uh, throughout the book of Mark, and it's not answered until four chapters later, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Chapter 5, Jesus heals or delivers a demon-possessed man and heals a woman that suffered a bleeding disorder for 12 years and heals and also resurrects a little girl from the dead. But then in chapter 6, we see the drama begins to escalate when Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is executed by King Herod. But Jesus still feeds 5,000 people. See, Jesus had to press through a hard season in his life. See, have you ever had to press through a hard season in your life? See, that was God producing endurance in your life. And then in chapter 7, Jesus heals a deaf and mute man in Decapolis. The people praise Jesus, declaring that he has done all things well. And then the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus feeds 4,000 people and finally brings us back to our text in Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Now, if Mark's account was written as a drama and has suspense sprinkled here and there, then the story in which we just read is both dramatic and suspenseful. Uh, how many of you love a drama that is filled with suspense? Yeah, well, well, this is quite the nail-biter because we just surveyed all the deeds of Jesus from Mark chapter 1 to chapter 8, and every single miracle that Jesus performed was perfectly executed and instantaneous. However, we find here in our passages of Scripture a man whose sight is restored in two stages. See, people looking from the outside in will, may think that, well, Jesus, he made a mistake. Or he failed to bring his A game in that moment. Or, or, or simply, unlike Jesus healing the, the deaf and mute man in Decapolis, he failed to do all things well. 
Or, or perhaps Jesus was just tired from feeding 4,000 people a couple of hours ago. Or, 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 or maybe he was frustrated because the Pharisees were constantly debating with him. Or maybe he was frustrated because his disciples didn't understand another parable yet again. How many of you know that Jesus probably just needed a break? Just a quick time out. But that's not the context of our scriptures this morning. Mark does a great service for us, the audience, the reader, by giving us a parable, a spiritual lesson that we can apply to our lives about undergoing a process to experiencing a breakthrough. Are y'all with me this morning? See, because I'm sure the blind man heard from the people of Bethsaida that Jesus is able to restore his sight. And most likely he was expecting a breakthrough that would be instant. But again, his breakthrough occurs in two stages. See, that, that brings me to a confession of mine. See, this is a, a brief commercial break brought to you by Confessions from the Pulpit. <laughs> These are my confessions. <laughs> see, 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 I told you that I gave Christina vocal lessons. I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying. See, I'm a pastor, as many of you may already know, and, and it's, it's not often that I experience an instantaneous breakthrough. See, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I get to jump the line on the main line sometimes. Are y'all with me? But then I would go and pray for one of you, and then you experience an instantaneous breakthrough. And, you know, I love you, but listen, at that point, I'm like, God, for real? Like, you know, I appreciate what you did, but what about my prayer from six months ago? You know, God, just in case you need a reminder, it was on April 28th. It was approximately 1.13 p.m. It was 65 degrees outside. There was a slight wind chill. It was partly cloudy. I just, I just want to know the status. Can, can you let your boy know what's going on with that prayer? But just as I mentioned, Mark gives us a lesson that we can learn about undergoing a process to experiencing a breakthrough. So this lesson is not only ministering to you, but it's also ministering to me. See, the Apostle Paul said, when you teach, do you not also teach yourself? So I'm teaching myself this morning. Amen. So without further ado, let's go deeper into our passages of Scripture this morning. We're going to just build line upon line, precept upon precept. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? All right, let's roll out. So in verse 22, it says here that they came to Bethsaida. They, who are you talking about? Jesus and his disciples. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Look at your neighbor and say, come on out. See, Jesus' action of leading the blind man out of Bethsaida is one of significance. Why, you might ask? I'm glad to answer that question. Because according to Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, Bethsaida is one of the villages that Jesus condemned and denounced to judgment because a great deal of his mighty miracles were performed there. However, they refused to believe and repent. Are you with me this morning? 
Therefore, make no mistake, don't get it twisted about the intentions of the people of Bethsaida. Uh, they, they didn't care about the blind man's restoration. They were just uh, looking for a show. They just wanted to make a spectacle of Jesus' power. Are y'all with me? See, Jesus would neither heal in that village nor allow any further testimony of his power to occur in Bethsaida. Therefore, he takes the blind man by the hand and he leads him outside of the village. See, I want us to take a moment to empathize with this blind man. Can, can we walk in this blind man's sandals for a few minutes here? See, I am sure that the blind man who is being led away by Jesus is probably thinking what Jesus is doing. Where are we going? See, Mark doesn't tell us that Jesus had briefed the blind man about what he is doing and where he is taking him. Yet, the blind man never questions Jesus, nor pulls his hand away and tells Jesus to take him back to Bethsaida. See, certain interpretations of these passages of Scripture would suggest that the blind man's faith was slightly impeded. But I disagree with that interpretation because the blind man's actions up to this point proves that he has trust and belief in Jesus. Perhaps this blind man's faith was one of the reasons Jesus had mercy on him and pulled him away from people that were subject to moral deterioration and impenitence. Are y'all with me this morning? See, see, I want to make the context of, of the reason Jesus led the blind man out of Bethsaida applicable to us this morning. Somebody say, make it plain, Pastor Josh. Y'all talking back to me? Let's go. See, there are some people under the sound of my voice that are experiencing a season of seclusion. See, people have walked out of your life where God has severed connections in your life, and it caused you to lose your fervor as a result. And you're wondering what is going on. See, but if I may shed some light on your situation, God has severed those connections because there were people in your life that were impeding your progress in your relationship with him. Yeah. Are y'all with me this morning? See, you were praying and believing, but no progress was made. See, there are unequally yoked relationships that are blocking your breakthrough. Uh, let's talk about it. And Jesus... He is leading you away from people that are stifling your growth. And he's leading you to a place of intimacy with him. See, sometimes God has to remove you before he can relieve you. Ah. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes God has to remove you before he can relieve you. See, your breakthrough is going to be born from a place of intimacy with the Father. Are y'all with me right now? See, even though you might feel lonely sometimes and burdened by uncertainty, God is holding your hand and he is ordering your steps. And when it's all said and done, you're going to, you're going to thank God that man left. You're going to thank God that woman left. Are you with me? Good, because the next part of this man's breakthrough, oh, it gets, it gets crazy. As soon as you thought that it was bizarre that Jesus is walking this man out of the village of Bethsaida, it gets even worse from there. The next verse says that Jesus put spit 
on the man's eyes. Now, if you can, again, empathize with this blind man, let's, let's again walk in his sandals. So you're being taken away from people to whom you are familiar by the hand of a man named, named Jesus that up to this point you have never met personally. And then once you make it out of Bethsaida, you come to a complete stop. And he's sitting, he's standing there in silence. And then out of nowhere, you hear. (laughs) And as soon as you think that, wait a minute, this is getting weird. Out of nowhere, your eyes become saturated with spit. Man, that is nasty. Listen, I don't know about you, but I would have been out of there. I would have been running out of there blind in awe. If I would have failed, I would have been crawling my way back to Bethsaida, hoping that somebody would recognize me and take me back home. But what I love about the blind man here is that even though his process gets messy, he doesn't walk away. He stays the course. See, how many of you know that when you're in the process, your situation can get messy before it gets in order? Uh, see, that's, I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen right now. See, you have been praying for your situation to get in order, but then it became messy. See, see you believe God for your finances to get in order, but then it becomes even more difficult to make ends meet. See, you believe God for your children to be saved, but then they get out of control. You believe God to reconcile your marriage, but then disagreements intensify. See, your situation gets messy, and you call it into question if God is active in your situation. But see, I have good news for you. Even though your situation may seem messy, God is in it. Just as Jesus placed his hands on the blind man, Jesus has his hands on your situation. See, just as Jesus placed his hands on the blind man, he has his hands on your situation. Are you with me? See, even though it may seem messy, his hands are on you. It's messy, but he is with you. See, your mess isn't intended to be your your failure. It's intended for your maturation in God. See, I am, I am reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, which tells us, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for me a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. See, your, your mess is not working against you, but it's working for you. How is it working for me? Well, because your trust is being built up in God. Are you with me right now? So it may seem messy. But God is active in your situation. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get a little messy. No, go back to him and say, no, I'm sorry, I lied. It's going to get a lot messy. But tell him it's going to be all right. Tell them to, tell them to trust the process. Ah. And then from there, we see that in verse 23, Jesus asked the blind man a question. Do you see anything? 
In verse 24, the blind man, he answers Jesus and he says that he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Then once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. See, what we see here is not only the blind man's faith, but we also witness his patience. See, based on verses 23 through 24, I am certain that the blind man expected to be healed after the first touch. However, the lesson that we can draw from this incident is that the process doesn't look anything like what we expect. See, consider Joseph in Genesis as an example. God gives Joseph a vision that he will be exalted to a place of authority. However, Joseph didn't expect to be betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, lied on by Potiphar's wife, and then put into prison before his vision became full circle. Are y'all with me? See, despite the setbacks, Joseph never gave up. See, that is why the Bible tells us in Psalm 105:19, and the word tried Joseph. Uh, that's another message for another time. So I'm just building, I'm giving, I'm giving y'all my, my schedule right now, what's going to be preached <laughs> next. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to preach next. <laughs> See, many commentaries would tell you that the blind man's sight being partially restored was a result of his lack of faith. But then again, you know, I, I disagree with that interpretation entirely. See, I'm really not the person that always just, you know, agrees with every single word that theologians say or from commentary. See, those are the old heads. Those are the, 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 the grumpy, <laughs> rigid people telling you, touch not, handle not. But as I mentioned Certain interpretations would tell you that the blind man's sight being partially restored was a result of his lack of faith. But see, that is not the context of our scripture. That we, Mark doesn't say anything about the blind man lacking faith. But based on scriptural evidence, if there was an issue of faith in the Gospels, Jesus will point out the person's lack of faith. See, just because your breakthrough requires a process doesn't mean you lack faith. See, rather, your faith is evidenced by how you respond throughout the process. See, but I thank God for his grace because every response may not be the right response. But see, but if God required every response to be the right response to receive a breakthrough, I wouldn't be in front of you today. However, if you respond with negativity to an unfavorable situation, you gain refocus by repenting and getting right back on track. Amen. See, some of you right now just need to give God another yes. Yes to his will and yes to his way. Yes to the process. That could have been the title of this message, yes to the process. Come on now. See, there is another lesson to garner from the blind man's initial outcome. See, the lesson is that even though the blind man's sight was not fully restored instantly, he didn't allow disappointment to set in, his faith to shrink, and he 
did not walk away from Jesus. No, see, what I, what I love about the blind man here is that he stayed in the presence of Jesus. Oh, that would preach all by itself. See, see, you must continue to abide in him, John 15. See, despite your disappointment, just like the blind man in our text. See, so many people walk away from God just because they don't experience an instantaneous breakthrough. Understand, see, this generation has the problem of instant gratification. Uh, can we talk about it this morning? See, we want everything to be realized in the New York Minute. See, we bring that mindset of instant gratification to our relationship with God, and we, and we wonder why we walk away from God, because God is not in the, in the business of instant gratification. God is in the business of developing maturity. Let's continue to talk about this blind man's patience in the process. Now, the blind man did not become complacent about his results. Are y'all with me right now? I'm going to say that again. See, the blind man did not become complacent about his results. See, even though his, his sight was partially restored, which means he was in a better condition than before. See, often we can lose patience in the process and decide to compromise rather than continue to wait on God. Are y'all with me? See, the blind man didn't settle for his sight being partially restored. See, he knew that almost doesn't count. I could have been another title of this message, almost doesn't count. Jesus, getting all my good stuff while I'm preaching. <laughs> almost doesn't count. It's one of my favorite Brandy songs. <laughs> almost doesn't count. I'm not going to sing it because I, I can feel the man just, just, just uh, judging me right now. But understand, real thugs listen to Brandy. Ah, <laughs> uh, y'all are crazy. But again, see, the blind man knew that almost doesn't count. See, he knew that Jesus was able to fully restore his sight. See, you must know God's will for your life. It is not his will for you to be depressed, empty, tormented by trauma, and enslaved by addiction. See, the blind man's first touch is representative of some people's initial result of salvation. See, some people are instantly healed, delivered, transformed when they come to Jesus. But others, like this blind man or even like myself, undergo a process of, of, of experiencing a breakthrough. See, however, your first touch, even though not a complete breakthrough, does not make your initial experience anything less than miraculous. Are y'all with me? Y'all going to help me preach this? See, just because you didn't experience the results you desired during your first touch doesn't mean that his will for you is to be broken and defeated. Are y'all with me? See, your breakthrough hinges on three words that Jesus spoke on the cross. It is finished. How many of you actually believe that it is finished? See, if you believe that it is finished, then, then that circumstance that has you worried and stressed out, you have to just declare to it that it is finished. Yeah, yeah you have to speak to that disease and say, it is finished. My healing is finished. You have to speak to salvation for my family that, listen, it is finished. Are y'all with me? It is finished. Ah. 
See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 138, verse 8, that he will perfect the thing that which concerns you. In other words, he is working out his plans for your life. It is finished. Don't give up. Don't give in. Be patient. Because what we see in Mark 8.25, the blind man's sight was fully restored because he was patient. See, patience lies between your failure and your breakthrough. Are y'all with me? And finally, what we find here in verse 26, the Bible says that after this blind man's sight was restored. Now let's recap and just go through the process that the blind man underwent to experience this breakthrough. He was secluded, right? He was isolated from people. And his process became messy. Jesus put spit on his eyes. But he remained. He stayed in his presence. And then we find that his sight was partially restored. Even going through all of that, his sight was only partially restored. But he remained. He stayed in the presence of Jesus. And then finally, his sight was completely restored. And in verse 26, Jesus tells the blind man to go home. He says, go home, but do not go through the village. Look at your neighbor and say, don't go back. Again, so after Jesus restores the blind man's sight, well, actually, if he restored his sight, then we should stop calling him the blind man, right? <laughs> we, we should actually give him a name at this point. Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's call him Jerome, okay? So his name is now Jerome. Jerome. <laughs> See, his condition was no longer his identity after he encountered Jesus. I'm going to say it again. See, his condition was no longer his identity after he encountered Jesus. See, too often we allow our condition to define our identity. See, we allow our addiction to define us. We allow our trauma to define us. But that shouldn't be the case when we are in Christ. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So in verse 26, Jesus tells Jerome to go home. Mm, that's a bar, Travis. Right there. <laughs> he tells him to go home, but take an alternate route. This would mean that this man, Jerome, whose sight was restored, did not belong to the village of Bethsaida. See, also Jesus told Jerome not to go into the village because he did not wish for him to publicize his breakthrough to the people of Bethsaida. See, because remember, we reviewed Mark, Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 24 about Jesus denouncing and condemning the village of Bethsaida. He didn't 
allow any further testimony of his power to be born there. So he tells them, don't go through Bethsaida, but take an alternate route. He didn't desire for any further testimony to occur there in Bethsaida. See, your breakthrough was not to be showcased on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, some people didn't like that. There's a lot of hashtag people in here today that I'm going to be probably hearing from. See, there's no hashtag freedom from this breakthrough because remember, I mentioned that your breakthrough is going to be born from a place of intimacy with the Father. See, your breakthrough is deliberately intended to be personal. See, and that intimacy that you develop with God through the process is intended to be the reason for you not want to go back to the thing that once had you bound. See, I am reminded of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that tells us, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, the, the intimacy with Jesus is intended to completely fill your cup, to completely satisfy you so that nothing else can satisfy. See, don't go back to depression. Don't go back to addiction. Don't go back to the feelings of inadequacy and to that toxic relationship. See, that is Bethsaida. And why would you want to go back to the place that Jesus abandoned to judgment? His blessing and his presence aren't there in Bethsaida. I need at least two or three people to say, I'm breaking up with Bethsaida. I'm breaking up with Bethsaida. There's no... Mindset like the children of Israel, look, I, I want to be freed from enslavement, but if the process of getting to the promised land is going to be uncomfortable, then take me back to Egypt. Take me back to bondage. No. We have to stay the course. Because, understand, I'm sure if you are struggling with addiction, I'm sure that you, if, if, if you are struggling with trauma, you are constantly reminded of your prior state where you were sober, reminded of your prior state where you were not hurt or damaged by your experience. And that desire to want to be whole sometimes either has you worried has you stressed out, has you anxious, but that desire is the God in you that is pushing you to absolute freedom. That desire is the God in you that's telling you that almost doesn't count. That desire in you is telling you, look, I, I know that you're, 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 partially, you're partially healed. I know that you're, you're, almost, you're almost over that breakup. You're almost over that trauma in your life. But just go a little further. Dig a little deeper in me. Deepen your, your intimacy with me. Because there, that intimacy with God, there is the breeding ground for your breakthrough. Are y'all with me? See, process is the reality of the life of a believer. See, our walk with God hinges on process. Philippians 1 and 6, he that begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Process is all through the Bible. 
So what is the underlying purpose of the process? See, the process is intended to grow your love for the God of the process and grow your trust in him. See, the process may seem, it may seem painful, but it's worth it. How many actually believe that? That your process may seem painful, but it's worth it. Consider Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 as an example. The Bible says that looking on to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and now was set down at the right hand of the Father. See, if anyone knows about enduring a process that is painful but is worth it, it's Jesus. That's why the Bible tells us that we have a high priest that can empathize with our weaknesses. And that we can lean into Jesus when we are in our process and we are on the brink of giving up. We can lean into him and we can completely embrace his strength because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that his grace is sufficient for us and that his strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, see, I know I need you to speak that back to yourself. His strength is made perfect in weakness. See, some of us are in the process today. And it may seem painful and it's difficult to navigate through. It's obscure. It's lonely. But again, Hebrews 12 and 2, it says, then look on to Jesus as the author and perfecter of your faith. See, when you come in Jesus, see, see, he actually, he actually drawed you to himself. So you coming to him wasn't by your own will, but it was his will. So he's the author of your faith. And he's also the finisher of your faith. See, just as much as that you had no control of coming to him, he elected you. He chose you. You do not have the onus of giving up because he is the perfecter. Are y'all with me this morning? He is the perfecter of your faith. But as I mentioned, you might find yourself in a process, and it's difficult. And you need a point of contact this morning, or now is noon. But we want to make time to pray with you today. Yeah, we want to make time to pray with you today. Because understand... My message today, intentionally, see, okay, can I, I'm just, just going to be a little transparent. <laughs> see, listen, see, I, see, normally I will come through with a message that can be an hour, hour and 30 minutes long. See, like I said, I come from the Pentecostal church. 
We're used to, to preaching for a whole hour and an hour and a half. But God intentionally made this message to be not long because the intent was to really inspire you and to incite your faith to those who find yourself in a place that you are in the process and you're struggling through that process. You find yourself bound by addiction and you need a point of contact. See, we wanted to make time today to pray with you rather than just getting to the cusp of ending the message and everyone's running out. Oh, it's 12.30, got to go. But see, we don't come to have church just for the sake of having church. As a matter of fact, we don't even come to church. We come for a move of God. So you came here today for a move of God. You pressed through the snow. You pressed through the nasty and dirty roads. Almost got actually swiped with water on my way walking into here. But anyways, look, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm trying to say right now. See, the point here is you came here for a reason. You didn't come for two songs and a, and, and a sermon and leave. Leave out the same way that you came in. Still battling that addiction. Still tormented by trauma. Still tormented by depression. Come on, somebody. Can we stop playing church? Did we come, for, did we come here for a move of God? I want to invite you to this altar. Just because you're in the process of experiencing a breakthrough doesn't mean that you lack faith. Doesn't mean that you lack faith. But some of you, your faith may be depleting. And we want to pray with you this morning or this afternoon. Amen. So if I can have our leaders, our deacons, come to the front. We want to pray with you this morning. You find yourself in the process and it's difficult. You're ready to give up. We want to pray with you. If you know that the process that you're in right now is leading you to a relationship with Jesus, we want to pray with you. Or if you find yourself coming to the end of yourself. We want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know it may seem messy. It may seem painful. But it's worth it. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org. To download our Beacon app, text Beacon to 97000. Once again, text Beacon to 97000. Whatever you do, please remember to be the light. Let's go! Let's go!